two nights alone Two nights alone at the table Welcome to uh, Alone at the Table, a podcast about uh, movies and the weird theories about them. Uh, I am Luke, and with me as always is... Nick. And today, we're going to talk about Titanic. We're actually uh, talking about two theories about Titanic. Um... The first theory we're going to talk... Well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to say both of them. It doesn't have to have an order. Uh, we're going to talk about the theory that Jack is a time traveler. And the other theory is that Jack is a figment of Rose's imagination. So let's start with... Uh, first of all, on the time traveler one, where are you at on this one? Do you feel like... You, you feel where, where, What was your percentage? What's your percentage? I think Jack is a time traveler is the stupidest theory that I've ever read about this movie. Okay. I can't believe how much some of the things I was reading online, people were totally stretching to mm-hmm. try and fit this theory in. Does, I don't buy it at all. Zero percent. Zero percent. Less than zero percent. Okay. All I right. Hate it. hate it. Well, And where are you on the other one? The uh, figment of the imagination. Before I started thinking about it, mm-hmm. I was also at zero percent. Okay. After I started thinking about it, I kind of dig it. I'm like 50-50. Yeah. Okay. I am also, I'm with you at zero percent on uh, Time Traveler. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's total nonsense. We can get into all the reasons why it's total bullshit later. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I'm 100%, maybe. Wow. Or, or at least very close on, maybe not figment of imagination. I can't say the words and mean them the way I think most people mean them. Okay. But we'll, we'll get into talking about that. But let's talk about the year of this movie. Yeah. I mean, this movie was everywhere this year. And I have a confession about this movie in a minute, too. Yes. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we were kind of talking about some of the, the movies before we went on, but yeah, this was a stacked year, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goodwill yeah. Hunting, L.A. Right. Confidential, that. Yeah. Uh, Austin Good Powers, Lost World, awesome. Jurassic Park, yep. one of the greatest films of all time, Batman and Robin. Yes, I, I will defend Batman and Robin as a, <laughs> uh, a film choice. Um, that's a whole other podcast, though, yes. me defending yes. Batman and Robin. The theory behind that movie, is Batman and Robin a good movie? <laughs> Fifth Element came out that year. Yeah. Uh, Gattaca, which I enjoyed. Jackie Brown, Con Air. I know. Men in Black that year. Is I, that, think is that? I think it's safe to say that nineteen ninety seven. After kind of looking over this, kind yeah. of gets a uh, goes a little bit under the radar. Everybody's talking about ninety nine, like ninety nine is oh, the big yeah. year from the nineties. Right. Well, I mean, and, but I, th- I think the problem is that the 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 thing everyone talks about in ninety seven is Titanic. Right. Like you don't. You never hear anything else. They're For all, good reason. Uh, it's still the second highest grossing movie of all time. Well, you're talking about good financial reasons, and that's I'm, not I'm just wrong. saying yeah. there's obviously something about this movie that holds up that people responded to. <sighs> yeah. Over $2 billion. I, and obviously yeah. some of that's from re-releases and stuff. Right, right, right. But, but still for it to right. be above Star Wars, above the Avengers, like... Yeah, it connects on I, some level. I guess I saw this movie in theaters with my dad. Okay, uh, PG thirteen boobs changed my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, this was a, <laughs> a very, a very influential, influential movie. So let's just let's just get into this. Well, what? hold on, hold on. I, I want to talk about when I saw this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which when was a few nights movie? ago. Okay. <laughs> um, for the first. For time. the first time, <laughs> I had uh, openly. Uh, I was in a when it, I was in high school when it came out. I thought you were going to say you were in an open relationship. <laughs> when it came out. No, no. Uh, I was in high school when it came out, and I was in the uh, I'm not going to do things that are popular phase <laughs> of uh, of teenage rebellion, and then it just sort of snowballed. And uh, twenty plus years later, I finally sat down and watched it, and I don't feel like that was a good choice. You don't feel like watching it was a good choice, I or waiting not. so long? No, to I watch do not it. feel like what, what. I mean, maybe both, maybe both, but I it was not. Not a film that I felt like I was missing in my life. Okay. All the major high points were covered in parody, and I didn't. I didn't need the rest. But we'll we'll, we'll talk. I firmly yeah. disagree with you. That's fine. Yeah. I wish that yeah. this was a podcast about me arguing with you about yeah. why you're wrong about whether Titanic's a good movie or not. Well, it's not. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's an oversimplification. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people are gonna. I'm I'm gonna hear a lot of flack. I know there are some people who are excited to hear us talk about Titanic when I. When I mentioned to them, like, oh, we're going to do an episode. Oh, they love Titanic. They can't wait to hear what we think about it. Those people are not going to want to talk to me after this. Okay. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I do want to talk Agreed. about the theories. But, yeah. But just give me your brief thoughts on the movie. Like, as your first time watching yeah. it, give me your brief thoughts. Yeah. Um, what the hell are they doing? Why Why is this so... Why, why do we have voiceover? I, I, I can't stand voiceover in movies for the most part. Okay, that's I, fair. It's a show, don't tell me, and... I don't need to hear old Rose talking about things I can clearly see happening while young Rose is doing them. Um, you could just... Uh, I love Bell Paxton anywhere else but this film. 
And, okay, here's uh, my problem already with your critique of the movie. Yeah. You're critiquing all of the parts of the movie that everybody acknowledges suck, mm. which is the present day stuff. Right, well, what about all the boring, uh, like, 90s feminism as told by men that's happening through the whole movie? Like, well, do we want to talk about that? Do we want to talk about how it already was covered in uh, a plenty of other material from much older sources? Like, I can give you the rundown of, like, how this... Uh, the opening part with Rose is really reminiscent of like yellow wallpaper sort of uh, uh, writing and and what much less good. Okay, well, but I won't take anything away no, from that's, your opinion yeah, there. Fine. I happen to think, I think it's a fun movie because it's like, outside of the old lady part, I skip mm -hmm. the first half an hour every time I watch this movie. Yeah. Without fail. I have things about the first half of an hour that I think are funny uh, and I like. I feel like there's a, a line that sums up things, but sorry. But I think that it's... The first half of the movie is like a good romance, and then the second half is a great disaster movie. You get both for the oh. price of one ticket, Luke. I, one ticket. Oh, man. So much disagreement here. We were in so much agreement about The Dark Knight. <laughs> I don't feel like it's a good romance. I don't feel like it's a good disaster movie. You've got two hot people falling in love, Luke. What more do you want? Where is that happening on screen? <laughs> the whole movie! <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Kate Winslet is amazing, but I feel like this is... Not prime DiCaprio. I've seen him do so much better work. No, this is DiCaprio before people like DiCaprio. I this know. is this is this is like whiny DiCaprio. Yeah, no, he earns every bit of the hate he gets in this movie. <laughs> but in retrospect, now that I like Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. in retrospect, I enjoy him in the movie. In retrospect, he's still awful. I I enjoy DiCaprio. There are so yeah. many hot takes coming out of this, <laughs> out of this podcast right now. All right, uh, well, all right. that's not what this is about. No, it's I'm not. I'm sorry to hear that you didn't like it. No, it because was, it's three hours long. It was very long, it. and I and I laughed out loud at several moments. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and start off. Sure. I don't really want to talk about this one, so let's just get it out of the way at the yeah. beginning. Jack is a dumb time traveler. He's the worst if he's a time traveler. He he's who, very bad. So, as far as I can tell, mm -hmm. this whole theory stems from some anachronisms in yeah. the script right. that Jack mentions. One of them is uh, going fishing at a lake with soda, mm -hmm. which was apparently not created till 1917. Right. And then a roller coaster on the Santa Monica Pier, which was not made till which 1916. Right. Who cares? The answer to this is mm -hmm. obvious. James Cameron didn't do any research. This, I mean, yeah. I mean, based <laughs> on the rest of the script, I feel like it is perfectly in place that these things are wrong. Yeah. It's, I don't know what, somebody was reading this, like, this is pure historical, like, truth. Like, all this stuff happened, everything oh, in here is gospel. Man, and, then, and, it's, and it's very much not. <laughs> I mean, I, while I'm, I'm sitting there watching the film and I'm, I'm starting to thumb through some historical reference stuff. Right. And uh, uh, can I just say... One of the performances I did love, Victor Garber in this film, is 100% amazing from start to finish. <laughs> like, I cared way more about him than almost anyone else. You watched a very different movie than I did. <laughs> no, I watched a great movie about a man who felt very bad about designing a ship that failed. Um, and and had, to, uh, ha had to have the important points of his journey explained by a fat guy in a beard and a crappy shirt That's in the true. 90s. <laughs> Even though he explained true. them later. Yeah. <laughs> I think that just like I don't know I guess it's people just like wanting to to take movies as fact all the time yeah. and like if it's about history it has to be about history right I think this that, movie's not anything about history no I mean obviously, there is a historical event happening right but. this person is obviously not aware of of what anachronisms are and no. that they're very prevalent throughout yeah. the history of fiction yeah uh, so this one does nothing for me no there's the thing about him not having any money at the beginning like he doesn't have currency obviously, right because he's a poor future. he's a poor artist. <laughs> Like, no. thought, does that mean every time I'm broke, I'm from the future? I mean, it does. Yeah. It yeah. super, super does. So I don't even know really what there is to say about this. I think this is dumb. I hated reading about it. Yeah. I hated thinking about it, that I spent time. I'm like, where in this movie can I see where this might make sense? Because I had, I had read somewhere that somebody thought that, like, uh, Jack is sent from the future right. to make sure that the Titanic gets crashed into the iceberg so that the history is so when he saves rose at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, like if rose would have jumped off the ship they yeah. would have had to like pull into a different port or something to like ah suicide we've got to stop mm -hmm. but because he saves her it stays on course and it hits the iceberg see now i had seen that as uh that rose like rose living a long time and all that stuff mattered somehow to the timeline and <laughs> and so he had to save her yeah but I just don't. I mean, again, I, like even wanting, like I like, that sounds like a more interesting film to me. And yeah. 
couldn't get there. Tried hard, especially when we had, oh, he, he didn't exist. Uh, we couldn't find any record of him. Well, I have other theories about why, I mean, and other things in the movie that say why you might not know he's there. Right. But. The one theory about the time travel that I did find mm -hmm. that I loved yeah. is the theory that Rose is Sarah Connor's, Connor's grandmother. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Jack goes back in time to make sure that Rose survives so that Sarah Connor can stop Judgment Day. Hey, you know, I appreciate the idea of the James Cameron Cinematic Universe, <laughs> the JCCU. That's right. Uh, but I don't think it's happening. No, I don't uh, think so either. But that was the most interesting yeah, thing no, to me. No, and again, I would watch uh, that film. I yes. feel like it's probably better than any other Terminator film that's come out <laughs> in recent years. So. That's, that's very true. Yeah. So let's talk about the one that we actually care about. Yeah. The one that I actually want to talk yeah. about. Because yeah. I was surprised when we first decided we were going to do this. I'm like, I'm like it's dumb. No. Obviously he's yeah, yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I still pretty much feel that way. But there's more in here. And I think it adds a little bit of depth to the movie. Because there's not a lot there. That I disagree with that, but maybe <laughs> that that wasn't there to begin with. So so what do you what do you, give me some thoughts on this Jack is imaginary thing? Okay, so I'm gonna so a lot of people when I've when I've read about it say, you know, oh Jack is a figment of her imagination. It's uh and, you know, she's imagining this person. I don't think she's imagining it when we see her in the nineteen hundreds. Mm -hmm. Um but I feel like for me the, the truth could be this. It's the 1900s, right? It, it's a horrible time to be a woman, uh, especially in the sort of space that Rose is existing. Mm -hmm. um, she wants to get out of this bad relationship, and she gets out of it and abandons both her mother and potential fiancé. Um, but that's doesn't paint her as a interesting figure when she's talking to 90s Bill Paxton. Right. And the story she tells is a much more interesting story. Mm -hmm. It is a much more romantic and lovely story. There may or may not have been a Jack Dawson. Um, they may or may not have had a relationship. Mm -hmm. But to, that it's painted as this grand love story, I think, is the liberties taken of a 101-year-old woman telling a story on a crappy boat. Sure. That's that's what it almost always felt like to me. And I even thought something that was kind of interesting to me is even if even if Jack did exist on the boat, mm -hmm. kind of like when you're a kid and you like you romanticize somebody that you don't know. Like maybe right. she saw Jack Dawson on the boat. And there is so much romanticizing of poverty in this film. Right. Oh. <laughs> so oh. so she sees Jack. Yeah. Maybe they meet one time yeah. and she's like, oh, what's that guy like? Like yeah. I can only imagine what it would be like to be with that guy. And then she's like a 17-year-old girl, right? She just like spins this this story that she right. kind of romanticizes over time. And Well, and maybe she pays him too. Paint or draw that picture. Mm -hmm. Like we, we see a, a version of that that is much more romantic. Maybe she does pay him to to pay, to do that picture. Right. And then that's it. And she wanted this grand romance that did not happen. She wanted this grand novel like romance. So that's so this is the one part of the theory that makes it hard for me to accept it mm -hmm. is the fact that Bill Paxton finds that picture later. No, I, so yeah. that's the way you get around that. Yeah. Is you say sure Jack did paint draw that picture. Someone drew a picture of her. Right. Whether it's this, whether it is, whether she even knew his name, mm -hmm. right? You know, or if, or if she did know the name and, and painted a grand version of events, because I think more realistic, the more realistic is the woman who is distraught with having to marry a guy who is clearly a piece of shit human being, <laughs> um, a mother who is using her as a bargaining chip financially mm -hmm. and wanting to be more than this um, and meeting someone like uh, especially the film's version of molly brown mm -hmm. is going to only exacerbate that right and so maybe she steals that gem you know and when she hears someone is looking for stuff at the titanic well yeah she can call she can corroborate that story she looks like a hero and she talks about someone she's never spoken about before and that, to me, I don't, I don't buy the, I kept this, this romantic secret forever. That doesn't seem like the sort of girl she is. I'm going to push back on that a little yeah. bit. And I, the problem that I have, I don't mind it 
if if maybe their relationship wasn't quite as involved mm-hmm. as it's portrayed in the movie, if maybe right. she's a bit of an unreliable narrator. But I think I mean, having... she's very unreliable. Well, that's because she has dementia. But yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that, like, don't you think that kind of, like, cheapens the the romance of the movie, though? If if just, like, some, if she pays some random guy to, like, sketch her naked like that? I think it cheapens the, the romance of the reality. I think it's the, because the, ro- the romance of the reality is cheap. I think the story she's telling is... is I mean, it, it hits a, the beats of a bunch of rom- other kind of romantic stories. Mm-hmm. It feels cobbled together. Mm-hmm. And that could be because, you know, either James Cameron is a bad writer or because, <laughs> because... I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying it could be because James Cameron is a bad writer or because this re- narrator is unreliable in some way mm-hmm. and is, uh, is, is putting together things she's come to later on and it's expanding upon them, you know? Right. I don't know, I just, I guess, I don't know, for me, like, I have a hard time believing that portion of the theory. Like, for Mm -hmm. me, it's easier to buy into it if either she met Jack one time Mm -hmm. or saw him across the boat and kind of, like, built this up. Right. If if they have this, like, cheap, like, like, here's a hundred dollars, like, paint me, like, Mm -hmm. that completely ruins the movie for me. Whereas if they never met and it's just kind of like this sad like girl trying to cope with her mm-hmm. her situation like that's interesting i can't have i can't have both ways well me. i mean to be fair considering her art love before she ever even walks on that boat, it doesn't have to be jack before she ever even walks on that boat that that picture could have been done we just might be seeing a more romanticized version of how that picture came to be with this boy she imagined to be a great artist but she has the necklace on where'd she get the necklace billy zane gives her the necklace i don't know Maybe she had a different necklace. You're trying know. to take this one thing away from Billy Zane. He has one thing in this movie. Billy! <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Billy Zane has the ability to steal a child and then kick people off of a boat as they're all dying. That's because he has no moral yeah. compass. He, no, he doesn't that have is. any sort of compass. <laughs> no. So, I just want to talk about a couple of the, like, the situations in sure. the movie. And kind of, sure. like, break down whether this theory enhances those moments or kind of detracts from them a little bit okay. so let's start with the fi- the time they first meet right which is when rose is gonna face plant yeah. into the atlantic ocean yeah uh where she was looking at the propellers that's right yeah so rose she's depressed she's on Absolutely. a boat she's yeah. gotta marry billy zane which is all of which our is worst nightmares. right no one wants to do uh, yeah no one wants to do that especially not with that hairdo right yeah so she's gonna take a take a dive off the boat mm-hmm. uh into the propellers right jack saves her right on one hand, Jack's real. This is a sweet moment sure. where a guy does a nice thing for a pretty girl. On the other hand, she's on the boat. She's going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. But she convinces herself... Right, talks herself out of it. ...that she doesn't need to do it. Which is more interesting? I I think talks herself out of it is more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's more... Uh, I think it, it to me, man. There are so many weird character beats for me with with that character, mm-hmm. because there are moments where she's like emotionally distraught, um, and then she's just not anymore. And right. I don't know if that's like an acting choice that's happening that I don't read, but it, but it doesn't it doesn't feel true for me. Um, I don't want to be the podcast that like mansplains things to people. I would love you to mansplain but things. That would be great. Have you never been a teenager, Luke? She's no, like I seventeen have. in this yeah. movie. No, I absolutely. The number have. of times that I went from randomly distraught to fine yeah. in my teenage years mm-hmm. are numerous. How many times did you imagine uh, relationships with people you didn't have relationships with, and what they could be like? Twelve. There we go. <laughs> but but the, I mean that only backs up my theory that like that she could be talking herself out of it, and then you know like oh, but what if he had saved me? What if he had come and said these wonderful things to me? See, I think that that's great. Yeah. I guess for me, I just have a hard time, like, because, like, in that moment, mm-hmm. either option makes the scene good to me. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it takes away from that moment at all. But I love DiCaprio coming up. He's taking his shoes off Ugh. and stuff. He's getting ready to jump in. God, I don't know. I didn't care for it. He's the common man's hero. <sighs> and, well, I mean, if you're on board with the, the deep romanticization of, like, what it means to be the common man, and you can't see the air quotes that I'm doing, but I am... <laughs> Or, or like the romantic, the this like the total romance of being poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time it was like, oh, here's a rich, here's a rich girl explaining why being poor is awesome. 
I wish I was poor like these wonderful these wonderful street rabble. I have the feeling this is going to turn into a much different conversation <laughs> than the one we set out to have today. Let's let's no. let's step back for a sure, second, sure. Because I think that your comment overreaches a little bit. I, I'm curious as to you why. I you don't think that. think that I don't think Rose is like romanticizing being poor. I think she's romanticizing having a lifestyle that that allows her her freedom that she's not getting mm-hmm. in in the other life that she no, has. I, yeah, no. But she combines that with being poor. That poor people are free because they don't have any of the uh, responsibilities that the rich have. And again, she's telling this story the entire time. That's the thing I think it's e- is easy to forget. So the things we're hearing are all from Rose's memory, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the things we hear out of everyone else's mouth implies that poor people are the worst, right? Because they're poor. Right. Um, and she's looking at them. She's this person who sees them as like, Oh no! This is what people should be. This is this is what humanity should be, right? Um, and she's experiencing it. I think you're projecting that onto her character. I don't think she has oh, man. that. I, because I don't know. Down in steerage, when she's dancing, you you get the sense that it's very much like, oh look how look how wonderful and alive these poor people are versus the the scene we just had above with the, the stately rich people. But you're the one that keeps like labeling them as poor people. Rose is not throughout the movie going like, I can't wait to be one of the poor people. <laughs> the whole <laughs> The whole point, but of no, the she movie. just acknowledges it so often. She acknowledges it without, like, when he, when, uh, when Jack says, like, he can't give. Her, oh, she doesn't care. She doesn't care that he can't give her anything or any of this sort of stuff. I think she's romanticizing because she's in the moment with the feeling of Jack. That that idea, and it's that idea of young love. That oh, love is going to carry us through everything. Right. Right. Uh but when you hit the actual streets with a guy like Jack. Jack's got like nothing, and, and and like it's it's cute now when you can go run and hide in a random car when you've run through the boiler room and have sex. But it's not, but it's not as cute when you're like living under a bridge and stuff like that. And she's and the whole time he's telling his story up in in the stateroom, like she's all like, oh look how artistic he is, you know. And again, like I've I, Jack is a, is the manic pixie dream boy. He's the reverse of the manic pixie dream girl. He absolutely is. He's he's this. He's this poor rebel who's going to sweep in and change Rose's life. I just think that you're you're oversimplifying the difference between like you're saying you're either affluent or you're homeless. There there's that is how but that is how Billy Zane and the other people she's around paint it. But those those people are assholes. Like that's Agreed. not what she's saying. Agreed. The moral of the movie that it comes around mm-hmm. to at the end when she throws the necklace off the uh-huh. boat is that the story she's telling is about how certain things in life are more important than material possessions. That necklace she's not, she kept for 101 years? She, or yeah, for she's whatever? not saying that you need to, to be homeless to be happy. She's saying that she doesn't need the society and, and the pressure and the the prison of everything that comes with being in that affluent society. But that doesn't mean she wants to be homeless. No, I, I know. But what I'm saying is she she's looking at these people who are, and many of them, in a rough way, and romanticizing them, romanticizing their lives on a level that I don't think is, is fair. It's what, But it's what you do. It's the same as, like, romanticizing being a poor poet mm-hmm. or anything else. And, you, and it goes back to being 17. You have no experience with the world. Right. So you're just romanticizing these things that you see. And again, and I, I think it's the most on display when she's in steerage. And she's looking around at people and, and oh, they're having fist fights. And they're, you know, they're drinking. And, oh, look. And it's so different. Oh, look. Oh, look how wonderful it is. Um, I don't disagree that she's romanticizing it. I just disagree, I guess, with your sort of binary version of of what she's what she's feeling well i think she tells the story in a binary way and again like you're on a boat talking to bill paxton when you're telling this story um and that's the thing i'm you're you're gonna hear me come back to that a bunch of times because (laughs) i think it's the thing that everyone always forgets is she's the one telling the story the entire way through so everything we see about any of these characters there's no there's no distance narrator we see everyone as be like as being awful or good Based on her interactions with right. them, for the most part, which is which is how a person feels. I mean, mm-hmm. she's telling the story. We're seeing it from her perspective. Yeah. yeah, and I think that 
I don't know. Because we only get outside of that when we're dealing with Bill Paxton on the boat. That's right. the only time we escape that, that right. space. And that part of the story is awful. We've talked about that. I agree. So yes. terrible bleached hair. <laughs> Uh, he, I mean, I, I wrote a note in there that was like Bill Paxton is the most '90s, <laughs> because like he had his, because of his giant hoop earring on one ear, and he was just the most '90s Bill Paxton he could be. Right. Well, let's talk about. I don't want to keep arguing with you about how poor people are. <laughs> <laughs> they're the worst, according to Billy Zane, but they're the best according to Kate Winslet. Wow. Well, yeah. And one she does. Of she does a lot I of those. Yeah. Than the other. I'm right, Billy Zane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk about why you're wrong about this sure. being a good romance. Yeah, let's uh, let's because, talk about how why you're wrong about that. Because this plays into this whole imaginary theory. Yeah. So once we start getting into the more romantic versions of mm-hmm. the of the the story here, sure, I think this is where him being imaginary ruins this movie. I think that the the car thing. Is like one of those iconic scenes from movies. Oh. Whether it's cheesy or not, don't get on your fucking high horse <laughs> and tell me I'm not allowed to like that. No, scene. you can like you. You're totally allowed to like that scene. That's fine. Uh, I don't understand it, but you're allowed to. Uh, but I think it definitely comes again. It comes from that 17 year old girl's world of uh, of over romanticizing it. 17 uh, year old anyone's world of over romanticizing this moment. Um, because even at like 101 or however old she is, she can't speak frankly about it. She refers to the drawing as the most erotic moment of her life. I laughed is that so not one hard. Of the worst lines oh that's my God. ever been written. I just I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I, and uh, and then follow the, the scene that follows right after that is this relation, you know, the, this scene of of sexual intercourse. But she talks about it as doing it mm-hmm. before that when you when you see and so like. For me, it's it's she's still, in some ways, stuck in this romanticized version of of a story, um, and I and I get that it's iconic and I the, like the hand playing on the glass and all that jazz. I don't think like I just think that that's what you think it might be like. I think I, I think she I think it's what she thinks it's going to be like. I agree. I think that the problem I have with with like trying to make sense of the scene by that present day like narrator view yeah is is the dialogue in that scene is terrible you're right the the most erotic experience yeah. of my life the doing it like the dialogue is horrible yeah that those whole scenes feel like a completely different movie right a really bad different movie. yeah I and agree. they detract from the things that i think in any other movie would be good if that same scene was in the dark night mm-hmm. it would be a great no that same scene would be directed by christopher nolan and it would be the bear scene bear rug scene in the dark knight rises <laughs> which doesn't make it better really no it's just um, like i think that i think that the problem with this movie mm-hmm. for at least what i'm getting yeah. from you is that the the juxtaposition of those two timelines ruin the movie well but that timeline is so important because that's who's narrating right that's why i keep coming back to is like how do i know that she's reliable you don't i don't I don't at all. And she doesn't seem that way. And it doesn't help that when she arrives, we have a character who is outside of her narration talking about how unreliable she could be. Mm-hmm. Like, admittedly, he bores the crap out of us and says a bunch of other dumb things. Like, <laughs> like you know, he explains to her how the the ship broke in half, which completely ludicrous. Um, and Or the documentary level recap where they talk about, like, when they cut back to them and they're like, he was only going by what he knew. He had he had 25 years of experience and steered him wrong. Like, come on, like you're not Ken Burns, knock it off. Um, it was so it was so bad. And but those but those characters are outside right. of her narration. And so when they say things, they can be, maybe not, but they can be more reliable. So beardy guy in the shotgun smiley face t-shirt might have more of a knowledge. Um, and I didn't even bother to learn his name because he, he was in the, what for me is an irrelevant section of the movie for the most part, uh, yeah. other than to, for, as a framing device. And that framing device, I think, matters more than most of us want to think it does. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the problem is, is like the framing device helps prove this theory or help give credence to, the, credence to this theory. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, I think it cheapens that moment. I think it absolutely ruins the, the paint me like one of your French girls oh. scene. 
See, like, all these moments yeah. for me <laughs> totally stand up. Like, oh, I can man. watch that movie now. I love that stuff. Uh, but, like, that... The the paint or the drawing is yeah. the part for me that, that busts this whole theory. Yeah. I don't think it works since Bill Paxton is the one that finds the drawing. Right. If if it's just anecdotal and maybe she's like, he, he drew me and it was so pretty. I've got it at home. Well, she, she would never say it that way. It was the most erotic <laughs> like, moment of her life up until then. Like, that's the one that ruins it for me. But let's, let's jump forward to sure. what I think, at least when I first started researching this, I'm mm-hmm. like, there's only one moment in this movie that this entire theory was made for. <laughs> and it's the fact that they can't both fit on the damn door. Like, this whole thing... That's come out of this movie. The only thing anybody talks about this movie right, anymore is right. why didn't he just sit on the door with it? Yeah, even though Mythbusters uh, did a great special on that, and if you haven't seen it, go out and find it. It's on Hulu. Um, ex- explaining exactly why it totally works that he could have been on the door. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine if they'd just been smarter about it. Right. Um, which they weren't. But I don't care about that because most I people think don't at this point. In yeah. that moment, yeah. I don't think Jack thought they were going to make it. Like, I don't think it was in Jack's head. I think Jack thought that they were going to die. Well, he was right about him. <laughs> right. But but again, I feel like... I, I mean, I know you feel like this throws off some of that moment, but I feel like for her, it's it's like, uh, you know, it's a, a piece of this wonderful, tragic romance. Yeah, I, I agree. I think... So tell me in this moment, mm-hmm. do you think that in that moment... In the past, she is is imagining Jack there and Jack is helping her to survive? Mm -hmm. Or do you think she's using Jack anecdotally in the future to explain how she survived in the moment when that's not really the case? What do you think about the the moment? Yeah, uh, I think think so much of Jack is probably anecdotal. I think so much of of what we see of him is anecdotal. Um, I think that she is wrapping up a tragic story at that point Mm -hmm. you know hitting on the these tragic moments did she live through this horrible event yes uh is it more interesting if she lost this great romance that she never spoke about again way more interesting (laughs) i just think that like especially in that moment i'm fine if he's imaginary Mm -hmm. if in that moment she is imagining him there mm-hmm. and that's like helping her survive. If right, she's just and that's like, entirely possible. If she's just thinking about it in the future and being like, well, I've got to kill this character off in my made-up story right now, so I guess this is the perfect place to do it. Like, that's lame to me and that's mm-hmm. nothing. Well, I think you can, but I mean, and again, I think you can blend those two things. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she definitely was re- imagining this, this young boy uh, who you know what she either was or she imagined to be a great artist being there and and incur using her own mind to encourage her to be to to survive mm-hmm. right so she could go on and be like this person she imagined right I don't because know. i think more of the, i think more of what we see about jack is what she imagines for herself mm-hmm. projected onto him right like if it's a, if that's in a story that's a wonderful way to explain why you bailed on your crappy fiance you bailed on your mom, you changed your last name, and went and did all these other things with your life. Right. Like, why you... It's a great way to emancipate yourself and then later, well, well, what happened was this. I was in love with this boy. That's so much better than, like, screw that dude, I'm out of here. Right? I mean, especially given the time period she was raised in. I agree, but but jumping back on that... Sure. Explain to me why in that moment she feels the need to create and fabricate this story. Why does, at 101 years old, right. why does she care about lying to all these people, including her daughter, who's there? Like it's why granddaughter. Granddaughter. Apparently not Sarah Connor. No, definitely uh, not Sarah Connor. So why does, why does she care? What pretenses does she have to hold up at that point? A story you've told yourself for a long time. Or had, or have told, or, you know... I think that's the way that James Cameron yeah. would wipe himself out of this situation. That's the laziest <laughs> explanation I've ever heard. I, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, again, because she's unreliable, maybe she's told lots of people that story in a bar. But now she's only told it like, I've only ever told it this time. Maybe it's every time she tells the story, and I've never told anyone this story. Why is she Irish? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, think... I don't know a Philadelphia accent. Yeah, I don't know. That just That just falls apart for me. I don't see why in that moment she feels mm-hmm. like she would need to lie or tell this story 
And I just, I... Well, because I, the other version of the story is, oh, yeah, I got your necklace right here. It didn't go down with the ship. Hey, by the way, I totally lied about who I was, and I've been hanging out for, like, X number of years with this thing that's probably, like, a weird claim uh, and could be, like, a financial ruin for me. But, well, that's that's fair. <laughs> but, but it's a movie. Yeah, it's, it's about a movie. two people who weren't on the boat. Like, there's a there's thousands of people that he could have made an actual movie about actual yeah, people on the right. boat. And that would but have been, a, to me, a more interesting movie. But he chose to make a fictional one, so to yeah. me it just doesn't make any sense. He'd be like, I'm going to make a fictional story about a romance that never happened, well, he's never already, happening on the boat. That's, I mean, that's, you know, he's just too soon. If he had been Nolan, it would have been Inception. <laughs> Yeah, see, I think that yeah. in the late 90s, before The Matrix came out, I don't think people were doing shit like that. <laughs> right? So I just, like, I I just, that falls apart there for me. And I think it loses all all credibility. I think it just, it loses the the impact. I want to feel like Bill Paxton feels in that oh, movie. God. He's like, oh, my heart but is I, so But warm. I didn't get it. I didn't let it into my heart. Shut up, Bill Paxton. I don't want to say the same lines that Bill yeah, Paxton says. Gosh. I just want to feel the same way that Bill, pa- Bill, pa- Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill if you want to feel the same feels. way Bill Paxton did, it's the right time of year. Get yourself a sweater, dye your hair blonde, and get an earring. <laughs> that is not my dream. <laughs> that is not my dream. Well, as far as this goes, I don't I don't know what more I can say about right. it. Yeah. I feel like this theory works out perfectly for our situations. Mm-hmm. I have this like nostalgic yeah. memory of this movie. Yeah, no, you love this movie. I that tell. is I don't love the movie. I just like it a lot. Right, okay. And I feel You're like You're deep in like with it. That's a very 17-year-old way of thinking about it. And so. I think that for me, I think yeah. having that viewpoint makes me want the relationship at the right. heart of the movie to be real. Right, right. Whereas somebody glasses, yeah. like you who's coming at it fresh yeah. doesn't give a shit one way or the other. <laughs> I don't. And I, man, I found, uh, I found, I found it had some, uh, you know, visual problems for me that were distracting that, that in the nineties may have not been distracting because I hadn't seen better effects. And, uh, and some of the effects now, I mean, cause I went and rented it on DVD and, and, and watched it. And, and some of the effects now, um, don't look great you think like what uh almost anytime there's a serious like watery backdrop happening there's there's almost like a green screen outline to them okay. their their breath in the uh water looks very fake um there's mm. there's a couple other things that just don't look great that i feel like would have benefited from some classical uh, effects sort of thing instead of like playing with the digital at the time because it just wasn't quite there yet like now you could do it and it would probably be seamless i'd never notice huh i didn't notice any of those things oh, the man. things that stick out for me are like the wide shots of the boat mm. like look fake yeah they do uh, uh and overview shots do too yeah. yeah but i think for the most part it's like especially like the disaster part of it Mm-hmm. looks pretty well, good when they're right i mean man anytime they're in a tight shot and your film hauls with water and stuff like that that all looks brilliant um when you're upending the boat it looks okay and you know there, there are parts of it that don't work i feel like it, some of it could have just been done probably with models and a i mean maybe it was i, I don't honestly didn't look into it too much but as far as i know like the way they filmed the end is mm-hmm. they like flooded like a it was like an airplane hangar yeah. or some big thing and then they yeah they super i know they superimposed the breath thing. yeah that looks it does not look it I looks weird that. it looks weird to me and i watched it in blu-ray <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah well maybe they cleaned it up maybe yeah, yeah they know. didn't do it for the DVD. They also said on the DVD that it was on two discs and it was only on one. So I feel like there were a lot of lies. In the DVD. I used to have the VHS on two VHS. I, I have the VHS on two VHSs that I acquired somewhere along the line. And never watched. Yeah, didn't yeah, care yeah. about it. What? And still don't. <laughs> the only out. movie that I have on DVD with two DVDs is Schindler's List. It's yeah. on two DVDs. Yeah. And I don't know why I hate it. Yeah. I hate two DVDs. It's oh, okay. stupid. I thought you were just saying you hated Schindler. No, Fox. I love Schindler. Well, I don't love Schindler. No, 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 no one sits down like, you know what I'm going to watch for a feel-good film? Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, definitely not. So so let's kind of close out this sure. part of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, as we've talked about it, I like this theory less than I did at the beginning of the thing. That's fair. At the beginning, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, it is kind of like this tragic like story of this girl yeah. like trying to cope with her circumstances. But... It ruins the picture moment for me. Uh, the old lady lying about it at the end doesn't make any sense at all. I don't like it. I mean, unless she's you know trying to avoid an insurance issue. 
and I don't, that's not a very interesting movie to me. So it's I'm, really not. It doesn't. But life isn't always very. I'm interesting. gonna bow out of that. So I think I'm gonna end right now at like twenty percent. I'm 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 still at my full ninety to almost a hundred. That blows my mind. I. It blows my mind. I think it's. I mean, I. And the difference is, I think you come at it thinking it's a good movie, and I come at it thinking it's a movie that people liked a lot. But when, I don't think necessarily makes it good. When you watched it, yeah. did you watch it? Because this was your first time watching yeah. it. So the whole yeah, yeah. time, were you sitting down and saying, like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie believing that Jack is imaginary? Or how did you watch no, it? No, when I sat down and watched it, I, I, my goal was sit down, watch the movie, and I wanted the movie to convince me mm -hmm. that one of these three things were true. Mm -hmm. I also wanted the movie to be good. Because I, I want those things when I well, watch a movie. I can't um, help you with that part yeah. of it. Um, but, because uh, I, I remember when I talked to you about it, you were saying like, oh man, skip the first part. Mm -hmm. And uh, that wouldn't have helped prove this theory, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, wow. The first part is not good. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, and, uh, and part of, I mean, some of it too was just being struck by how different filmmaking is in 1997 than it is now. You would never start with a title sequence the way they did no. now. Like, it would be the end. And it would be in like, you know, Times New Roman font on the black background. <laughs> right. And there would be none of this Celine Dion constant heart will go on that's happening. That that piece without the words is played so much in that film. Oh, and can we talk about the very end for just a moment before we wrap ah. up? The very, very well, end. That's the sound film. she makes as she throws the uh, necklace over the Oh, no, no. I mean the very, very end where she walks into the ship restored... To, uh, to go to Jack to the applause of everyone who's ever mm. been on the ship that to me totally sells the imaginary relationship aspect of it like and that because there is no way that all these randos who she never spoke to are going to applaud this relationship that only matters to her no and that part I think I can agree 100% that that part is imaginary but I think so, that's her looking back and saying like what could have been Assuming that the first part is real. Right. And it's important to note that he's back in poor man clothes. Right. Poor people are the best. They, yeah. When they're really, not homeless. Unless you're Billy Zane and then they're the worst. <laughs> Billy Zane is a terrible human being. All right? I don't know. I, I, well, I don't know him personally. <laughs> personally, Billy Zane. But I don't remember worst. his character. Cal, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. worthless. But it, I just think that this movie, regardless of what you think, I think this is an engaging romance I think it's an engaging disaster movie, and I think it's 40 minutes too long, but I think that those pieces, at least in my... I just watched it again. I've, I probably watch it maybe once every couple of years, yeah. and I still, I still dig it. I feel like it is a serviceable disaster movie, a not particularly great romance, and maybe, oh maybe more like an hour too long. <laughs> well... I'm not going to try and change your yeah. mind, but no, let's that's okay. let's wrap up the conversation. Yeah, let's, let's go down. We, let's go get yeah. What we love to the do. Road. We love talking about uh, Speak actors. Out. Yeah. Do you want to start off by talking about about James Cameron? I don't know. Like I feel like that guy is hit and miss. Hit and oh, miss for me. He's definitely hit and miss. Yeah, hit and miss. But this is not a hit for me. But the problem obviously. is, is I mean, especially recently, yeah. he made Titanic in 97 yeah. and then died for like 12 years yeah, didn't he, and then came out with Avatar. Yeah. Uh, but like, And then he's back in his 12-year death chamber, I guess. <laughs> for me, I know that the like easy answer to be would say would be to say that like T2 is my favorite mm -hmm. uh, James Cameron movie. It's a, it's a film people come back to a lot for just like good filmmaking too. Right. When I was in, uh, I took a screenplay course in, in college and we talked about Terminator 2 more than I ever wanted to. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, not that I dislike the film, but like to talk about it in that like regard was surprising to me. Right. But but honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, Titanic is my favorite James Cameron movie. <laughs> I could go yeah. True Lies. I mm, could yeah. I could go the first mm. Terminator, but yeah. I just this yeah, movie uh, is, is something for me. I dig it. Yeah, I don't. Nah. I I think probably Terminator Two is probably, mm -hmm. or maybe the first one. It's hard. I like both of those so much. I think the first one okay. I don't know. I just like the first one feels like a like a a cheap but surprising horror film, right? And I like that. I just I like, like the like the broader mythology of T two, yeah, and kind of yeah. introducing more of like I guess the sci fi. Obviously, there's a lot of sci fi in the first one, yeah, but there's yeah. like weird like sci fi like dystopia mm -hmm. elements in the second yeah, one that yeah, I yeah. that I dig. 
uh, but let's talk about the the lead actors. Sure. This is a huge moment in pop culture history oh, yeah. for these two people. No, this makes both our careers. Uh, so we already talked about DiCaprio. I think we both agreed that it took us a little while to get on the DiCaprio train. It took me till it took me a while. Yeah, quite a while. What was the before you tell me what your favorite movie is? Maybe they're yeah. the same. Yeah. But when was was your like your come around moment for DiCaprio? I think the movie where I finally saw DiCaprio as an actor who I really could get behind uh-huh. uh, was probably The Departed. Okay, same for me. Yeah, I couldn't get behind him before that. 100%. Um, it was like, this is still that obnoxious kid who played a shitty Romeo. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. And uh, and man, if you ever saw, what is it? Uh, the Cove or whatever? The Beach? The Beach. Yeah. Oh, God, that movie is the worst. <laughs> I remember watching that and somebody being like, oh no, he's really good in this. It's like, it's totally different. And I was like, you're right. It's way worse. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. And it was The Departed for me as well. Mm-hmm. But it's funny now that I, after like watching that movie and, and then obviously seeing everything he's done since, I can go back now and appreciate the roles before that. Like uh, Gangs of New York came out right mm-hmm. before that. Like yeah. I really like that movie yeah. even though his accent's terrible. Uh, but like going back and watching earlier DiCaprio performances mm-hmm. don't bug me as much. Oh. Titanic He's, doesn't bother me. Oh, man. Like Man in the Iron Mask doesn't bother me. Uh, like those older He's performances. He's the thing I hate the most about Man in the Iron Mask. Well, that's true. He's the worst. But he doesn't like ruin the movie for yeah, me anymore. No, I'd have forgotten he was in it. Thanks for bringing that painful memory back. Or it used to be like yeah. the the movie that I would always go to and be like, man, I wish DiCaprio was like this forever. Was What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Oh, yeah. Uh, when he plays Johnny Depp's brother. Yeah. Uh, like I'm like, man, I just wish he would play a stupid kid all the time because he's great at this. That was. <laughs> well, I mean, he did for a few, he, he did he did for he did for a few years. Uh, <laughs> That's um, true. But my favorite DiCaprio movie, without a doubt, is Django Unchained. Yeah. Great performance, man. I like that was one of those movies that even though I had liked him mm-hmm. when I saw that movie, I'm like, this is a different actor. Like yeah. this guy, I've never seen him play a villain before. Uh like just a crazy character that you hate. That's far and away my favorite. Uh, see, you know, and I I feel like he gets better at weird like at, a, at the weird uh, tortured romance angle kind of thing, um, oddly in Inception. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like his relationship thing there, right. to me, like, with an, a, another person is so much more interesting if we're going to lead back to Titanic and, like, that sort of a right. thing there. Because, and there's something about visually, he gained a little weight. He's not so skinny and weird looking. Right. And uh, he just looks more... I don't know, like a normal person. Yeah, he definitely tried... It was very obvious that he tried to kick the heartthrob thing to the curb. Yes. Like, definitely yeah. not the type yeah, yeah. of movies that he takes no. anymore. No. And I think that that's a good example of just, like... Like, that he can be, like, this great romantic leading man, mm-hmm. but in a really fucked up way. Right, right. Uh, like, a tragic and, in like, demented type of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with, like, I loved him in, in Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, great, another great, like, demented DiCaprio performance. I really right. like when he gets into those things. Uh, obviously, like, The Revenant. Uh, when we saw that movie, when he got attacked by mm-hmm. the bear, a guy in the theater with us uh, had, like, a seizure. Oh, wow. And they cut the movie. Uh, wow. and then started back from before he got attacked by the bear and we watched it again and hoped wow. nobody else would get a seizure well that's always good very exciting moment yeah uh, but yeah no, we I, were, we were, uh, I was talking about that with a few folks the other day that basically uh, you want to win an Oscar get attacked by a bear that's right it's about, the only, it's about what he had to do so <laughs> so that's DiCaprio yeah uh, let's finish with talking about uh, Kate Winslet oh I thought you were going to say Victor Garber yes I was not talking okay. about Victor oh, Garber okay. uh, let's talk about our favorite Billy Zane performance <laughs> oh uh, well I I mean clearly the Phantom I mean, yeah I... <laughs> uh, but no Kate Winslet yeah. when I was in college right was far and away my favorite actress mm-hmm. I remember when I was when I was in high school I don't remember when it came out when the reader came out mm-hmm. like it was weird I went and bought the movie I had a job so I went and like bought the yeah, movie yeah. and yeah. I like hit it mm-hmm. i didn't want to show anybody that had because she's like naked a bunch of times in the movie i'm like mm-hmm. it's weird i don't want to talk about this movie right, with right, my right. parents or yeah. whatever uh but i used to love kate winslet she's one of my favorites and my favorite movie of hers uh or my favorite performance of hers bar none is a cheesy movie that i feel like a lot of people shit on finding neverland oh uh, yeah i totally forgot she was in that her and Johnny Depp used to she's be great like, in that movie. She's like great. Johnny Depp was like my thing. I was super into Tim Burton. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I loved her. No, everyone has that face. <laughs> I loved her in that movie. I love that movie to this day. Kills me every time I watch it. Can I tell you? Uh, and uh, when it comes to Kate Winslet, 
I have a hard time remembering she's in things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's. I mean, she's fine. She's a, a, a good actress. I mean, if you happen to be listening, I'm sorry, Miss Winslet. Um, <laughs> You're but, the eleventh uh, few. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not. I mean, she doesn't really stand out to me a lot. I'm sad like, to hear you say I, that. I am sad, sad to say that because I wish I was racking my brain just now when you said, let's talk about Kate Winslet. I was like, oh crap, what what do I like that she's been in? I, I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. I That's just, awful. I hate that. I love her in that movie. I love... Uh, but she's she was, great in Finding Nemo. She was in one of... Uh, I don't think it was Peter Jackson's first movie, but like one of his first movies, mm-hmm. Heavenly Creatures. Oh, okay. Uh, when she's... It, I know it was Kate Winslet's first movie mm-hmm. uh, where they like play these two girls that like plot to murder their parents. Oh, okay. Uh... And it's possible I've seen her in things and I just don't remember. Because, again, I mean, for some reason she just doesn't track in my brain. Right. Uh, man, she's great in that. Like I said, I loved her in The Reader. I loved... Uh, uh, she was in that Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. She, like, played his, oh, okay. his assistant. I actually have not seen Oh, that. man. It's, it's yeah. that great Aaron Sorkin dialogue, fast-paced, right, right. yeah. really quippy stuff. No, man, she used to be my favorite. I was obsessed with Kate Winslet. Her and Helena Bonham Carter were, like, two of oh, the well. two... Yeah, just Johnny Depping it up hard, weren't Yeah, you? dude, I was... Su- I can't even... <laughs> I cannot underestimate to you how into Tim Burton I was when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, so that's... I loved Kate Winslet back in the day, man. She was my thing. Uh, like I said, PG-13 boobs changed yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah, Changed my life. Never, never happened again. I have not seen... That was the thing. Yeah, I was struck by how 13 and beyond this PG-13 was. <laughs> you know, like, language-wise... Again, things you're never getting away with today. You're not getting away with PG thirteen boobs if they if they can get cannot get away with it. Right. Like, sure, like you're not gonna have Leonardo DiCaprio screaming shit 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 about stuff. No, like, the '90s were yeah, a very different time. Very different time. I mean, to be fair, Conan the Barbarian was PG in the '80s, and so was Jaws. Yeah, very yeah. very different. So, yeah, very very yeah. different. Well, I think that that about sums up the conversation about it does. about yeah. this movie. Yes, it does. I'm sorry to hear that you didn't like it. I was I've been waiting on on eggshells, waiting to hear what you thought about yeah. it. This is not the response I was uh, hoping for. Well, yeah, no, it's. I mean, I, I, and the, here's the truth. I doubt I will revisit it. I'm I not surprised. I don't feel like I. I feel like. Hmm. That's a thing that happened. Maybe you can try watching the movie now that you've seen the narration yeah. part and just cut all that crap out. I wish that somebody would release... You know how some people have like re-edited oh, movies? Yeah. Just re-edit that movie with yeah. all that crap taken out. Well, it ta- I mean, man, take out the... Uh, that was the thing that really bugged me, I gotta tell you, is uh, especially when it comes to Cameron because I feel like he can be a better director than he was in some parts of that movie. Mm. And, I, and, and also, even now, like with sort of the way we've gotten maybe addicted to shaky cam there are some scenes where i wanted more kind of close tight reactionary stuff like in the boiler room and things like that um and then also where i just wanted to be shown how awful these people were and not hear old rose's voice telling me about like what was bad about these people or or who molly brown was just let me discover it and i think that was it felt so telegraphed that i that that definitely bothered me i think that's fair and i think that our listeners can agree that nobody appreciates anything more than two nerds telling a man who has made the two highest grossing movies of all time how he can do better yeah could you could you could you think about remaking this (laughs) maybe with muppets have you considered muppets mr cameron that's a movie i would see yeah all right, cool. Muppet well. Titanic. Uh, so anyway, you've been listening to Alone at the Table, a uh, podcast about movies and the weird theories about them. Uh, I, as always, am Luke, and this has been... Nick. And we'll see you next time.